two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and invite His presence to be with us. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before You. God, I pray that You would be with us during this time together. God, I pray that You would help us to learn and glean from Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are in the midst of a series on our worship. And uh, this morning, we're going to turn to the first couple of verses. You will have heard probably before in relationship to worship, but seldom will the remaining verses that I read this morning. The early promos that I put out, I accidentally put the wrong chapter number on there, so if you had looked, but we're going to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. We are going to begin with verse 19. The Bible says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth, his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular love his wife, even as himself, And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Often when we are reading Scripture, we have a tendency to break it into segments. And uh, sometimes, I mean, obviously it's necessary many times to uh, break it down into segments and, and to look at each individual segment and, and, and pull out... Uh, certain things from that passage, but if we're not careful, we begin to uh, break it in certain segments every time and miss the context that it's in and forget that we've got to put the segments together to get the full meaning of the Scripture. And so sometimes we, in doing that, 
we take things out of context. Sometimes this is done unintentionally, but uh, a lot of times it's unintentional. But we must add note uh, the context here. Because in this context, we note Paul begins to deal with the home. He is talking about the relationship of husbands and wife. And really, if you, you look at the fuller context and go on into uh, chapter 6, you find he's also dealing with the relationship between parents and children. And then uh, he goes on from there to deal with uh, the relationship uh, between employees or in, and employers, or actually in the in the uh, in that time period, it would have been slaves and their masters. But but the principles uh, applies to the work relationship, and he is talking about uh, 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 our relationship and and submission one to another. But we must know that. He begins this passage, the first part starts with where we started. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, which leads into this passage on our relationships. And yet, he is talking about our worship. And submission one to another, not our submission to God alone, but our submission, and particularly in the home, is part of our worship. In verse 32, and the title of our lesson today is Puppy Love. And what I want us to look at through these passages is the fact that there is a true love and there is infatuation. And it affects our worship. And the Apostle Paul here is dealing with some things that have to do with our true love. The Bible says, this is a great mystery, in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Even though he is talking about our submission one to another, even though he is talking about our relationship in the home, he is not simply talking about these things, but he is saying our relationship in the home is a picture of Christ's love for the church. Our, our <coughs> relationship in the home is a picture of how we are to relate to Jesus Christ. That is why in our society, the traditional family is under attack. 
That is why there have been those who have tried to change the meaning of what it is to be a family and tried to change the idea of marriage into all kinds of things is because if we can distort what marriage is, if we can change what marriage is, if we can change what we call a family, if we can change the home, then we can distort the picture of Jesus Christ and His love for His church. We can distort the picture of Jesus Christ and His love for His bride. In both Testaments, we find that God and His relationship to His people is compared to the marriage relationship. Throughout Scripture, uh, in both the Old and New Testaments, we find God's people are referred to as His wife or His bride. And at times in, in Israel's history, when Israel went away from God, he, he compared that to an unfaithful spouse. Many times throughout Scripture. Many or, or some have, have wondered and even asked me about the uh, title that I have given to our entire series, Intimacy or, or Ecstasy or Intimacy, in talking about our worship and, and said, you know, it, it kind of gave me pause when I saw that and uh, made me wonder about, about it. And, and, but it is because God relates our worship, God relates our relationship with Him to that of a marriage. And you say, well, is that the right wording? Is that the right terminology? I think it is. And one of the reasons is, if you read the Bible, we find that the Holy Ghost inspired a book to be written the Song of Solomon, in which the intimacies of marriage are discussed in some passages that would be inappropriate to read publicly, and yet God uses that terminology and God uses that to express the love of Jesus Christ for His bride, the church. First of all, we learn from this passage that we are to submit one to another. The idea of submission isn't simply the, the idea of us submitting to one another, but it is to reveal not only our submission to one another, but in submitting one to another, we are revealing our submission to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that is why the idea of submission is important. Now I know there are those that, that would take it out of context and, 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 uh, and, and push it and, you know, because they're, they're uh, chauvinistic or whatever and they want to. But the Bible teaches not only the submission of wives to the husband, but it teaches that we are all to be in submission one to another. Before he ever deals with submission of wives to their husband, he says that we're all to be in submission one to another. Submission is brought out in the fact that we are to submit to Christ a number of times. We find it in, in uh, uh, verse 21, in verse 22, in verse 24. It doesn't use the word submission, but it uses the word subject. 
which is another word for submission. If we continue on into chapter 6, we would find the admonition concerning children to their parents. And as we continue on down, we find the admonition is given for employees to our servants to their masters or to their employers. And so the idea of submission is part of our worship. We must submit to Jesus Christ. We cannot worship Jesus Christ. We cannot worship God if we are not in submission to Him. And we cannot be in submission to Him if we refuse to submit one to another. Not only is the idea of submission part of the picture that is painted of of Jesus Christ and part of our worship, but we must love Jesus Christ and we must realize the love that Jesus Christ has for us. And the Bible specifically here in painting a picture to the world of Jesus Christ says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How do we reveal the love of Christ to the world? It is through the way we love our wives. Sometimes, As men, we can be ineffective in our witness to the world and ineffective as a witness for Jesus Christ because we don't love our wives the way that Christ loved the church. There are two things in particular that he brings out. First of all, it is a sacrificing love. He gave his life. He gave His life. It's easy for us to say, you know, well, I love my wife so much, I'd be willing to die for her. But like we say about the Lord sometimes, sometimes it's not a matter of dying for a person. Sometimes it's living for them that we have the difficulty with. And so he loved the church so much that he gave his life. And then secondly, it is a sanctifying love. The word sanctifies means to set apart. And so the devil has tried to distort this picture of the home by destroying the home and distorting the picture of the home because it distorts the picture of Christ's love for the church. And then he says at the end of of the passage here, he said, wives ought to reverence their husbands. That means to respect their husbands. It's interesting here, the Bible doesn't have, and this has been brought out many times by many people, but, you know, the Bible doesn't tell husbands Uh, uh, to respect the wife, he tells them to love their wives. He doesn't tell wives to love their husbands because wives, that comes more natural for them than it does men. Men, we have to be reminded to love our wives. And then he says, men, one of the things men really look for is they want respect. They want to feel like they are respected. I know, it's petty to you women. 
But if we feel like we're disrespected, it just, you know, it's everything to a guy. You know, if, if he feels like his wife does not have respect for him, it affects every, every other area of his life. And so, but the purpose of this, again, is not so much, even though he is giving us some valuable lessons on the home, he is saying the real purpose here is to paint a picture of how we respond to Jesus Christ. And so, more than telling wives to respect their husbands, he's saying, people, we need to have respect for Jesus Christ. Did you know we are losing in the church today the respect for Jesus Christ? I may get myself in trouble, but, you know, it won't be the first time. I've seen it happen in a number of places, a number of different churches. And I'd like to say it doesn't happen here, but it happened here recently. When a passage of Scripture was read, the Word of God and the response from the reading of the Word of God was to laugh. There was a passage of Scripture read recently and a number of people in the congregation laughed out loud. Listen, this is the Word of God and we need to have respect for Jesus Christ and for His Word. And there is no place to be laughing about the Word of God. Like I said, I may get in trouble. You're supposed to. I realize that you're supposed to say, and I was in a certain place at a certain time and this happened, and you don't, you don't ever say it actually happened here. I realize that. But we need to face facts. Not only do we need a respect for the Word of God, we need a respect for His house. And it is becoming more and more prevalent in the day that we live to have disrespect for the house of God. There is nothing intrinsically wrong that I know of in the design of many churches. But our, our, our churches more and more are taking on the layout of a theater or a concert hall. And intrinsically, that's not wrong. It's not a sin. But what has happened is in the mind of the people, they view it no different than a concert hall. And we are losing the respect for the sanctuary that it once held. And we need to respect the house of God. And we could probably spend an entire lesson on that, but we move from looking at the church as a picture, and though we're not really moving from it as a picture, but I want us to look at the fact that there is a difference in true love 
and infatuation. It's not unintentional that I pick this particular lesson for the Sunday before Valentine's Day. Um, that didn't escape my attention. I, when I was putting together my outline and working on some of my outline for the series, it's like, oh, that's going to be close, getting close to Valentine's Day. So I actually shuffled around the order of some of my lessons to make this one this week. But first of all, let me just say, infatuation is the emotion of love. It's what we feel. Infatuation in and of itself is not bad. It feels like love. It looks like love. It acts like love. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't drink. Good thing it's not love or you'd die soon. Um, uh, infatuation is that feeling that we get. Not necessarily wrong because there are times it's nice to feel that infatuation fear, feeling even in marriage. But feeling is not fact. It is not sustainable over the long haul. On our 25th anniversary, or uh, it was actually after our 25th anniversary, but it was for our anniversary, we uh, were privileged to go to Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, it was a great trip. And enjoying walking down the beach, holding hands, and, and just, just had a, a, a great trip. But that doesn't last forever. You know, there's sometimes you have to come home and you have to deal with the bills. And you got to go to work to pay for the trip. And you've got to, you know, there's some things that has to be dealt with. And that a reality. But that doesn't mean that our love is any less than it was walking down the beach holding hands. But there's not that same, you know, when you're, when you're discussing uh, situations or problems or, or, or things... Uh, uh, Sometimes there are some things that, that you deal with that aren't necessarily pleasant, but that doesn't mean the love is not there. The fact of the matter is, the same is true with our love for God. Sometimes we expect to have that walking on the beach feeling with God all the time. We expect to come to church and every service be a high. And every time we come to church for us to share. Did you know what, what we sometimes classify as a bad service is not a bad service? Sometimes it's just getting down to the nitty gritty of marriage. And we need to learn that just because we don't always have those emotional highs when we worship God, it's no different than the fact that we don't always have those emotional highs in our marriage. If we require an emotional high every time we come to the house of God, 
there is a good chance that we are infatuated with God rather than in love with Him. Infatuation or puppy love is impatient. It doesn't pass the test of time. It doesn't pass the, time, the test of trials. And a lot of times this has caused people... Did you know that is why the church has suffered? And when I say the church, our church has suffered a lot less than many churches. But that's why after COVID so many people did not return to church is because they were infatuated with Jesus Christ rather than in love with Jesus Christ. Simply watching, simply watching services on the live stream is like trying to have a marriage that you only talk to one another on the telephone. And actually it's even worse than that because the live stream's only one-sided. You're not interacting back. But it's like having a marriage that you never see each other face to face. There has to be those times of face-to-face -face meeting. We want things from God and we want them immediately. But Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes we make the mistake of encouraging our people. A new convert comes in and they're all zealous because after all, when a new convert comes in, they're in that new love. That infatuation state of, of, of the marriage to God. And again, there's nothing entirely wrong with that. But we encourage the elders in the church, oh, look at this new convert. We need to worship like they did. Wait a minute. Their love has not endured the test of time. Their love has not endured the test of trials yet. Are we sure we want to tell the elders to worship like a new convert? Maybe we should be teaching the new convert to worship like the elders. Maybe we should give them the tools to have a lasting marriage rather than a marriage that is going to end in divorce. And remember, when I'm using the words marriage and divorce here, I am talking about our relationship with God. I am not talking about simply the natural, the marriage between a man and a woman. A number of years ago, there was a girl at youth camp who had recently got saved and she was very vocal and very expressive and very outgoing in her worship. And she was put up front as an example to everybody and they were, people were encouraged, everybody should worship like this. And that girl, the last I heard, was backslidden away from God. Why? Because there was an infatuation rather than a true love. And then infatuation is selfish. 
Infatuation says, it's all about me. Infatuation is what I get out of the marriage or the relationship. It's all about me receiving. It doesn't give, but it takes. And did you know our relationship with God is often that way? Our relationship with God becomes, God bless me. God bless what I do. God bless my ministry. God bless the things that I am involved with. Bless, 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 bless. But the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. We need to bless the Lord. We need to be looking to give to Him. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We are created to bring pleasure to God. And our goal in worship is not bless me, but our goal in worship is to please Jesus Christ. To bring pleasure to the Almighty. And if we are going to bring pleasure to the Almighty, then we must get to the point that our heart beats as God's heart beats. And we have a desire for the things that He has a desire for. I remember one particular day, we were riding down the road when the kids were small. And just riding down the road out of the blue, one of us said, I know what you mean. And the kids were like, what do you mean you know what she meant? She didn't say anything. Why? Because there was a whole conversation that went on between us in silence. We knew what we were talking about. We understood each other. But the kids didn't see it. Because they weren't in on that conversation that was going on. And so it should be in our hearts and in our lives with Jesus Christ. We want to do the things. He begins to speak to us. And there are things that nobody else around us understands. Nobody else sees. Nobody else hears. Because God is within us. And as our heart beats for God, you know what our heart begins to do? It begins to beat for the souls of those around us. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so as, as we get close to God, and as we have a true love to God, all of a sudden our desire becomes for missions. Our desire comes becomes to evangelize the world, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Infatuation is a quick emotional high that has no commitment behind it. But true love will commit itself to honoring God. There is infatuation, but then there is a true and enduring love. There is no place that we can look to 
that would better describe the love of God. And often we use it to describe love for our fellow man. But then the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul describes love. It is interesting and important for us to realize that Paul's description of love is not so much to describe love to us. Because if we look at chapters 11 and 12, especially chapter 12 and and chapter 14 that surround what is the love chapter, he is talking about the operation of the gifts within the church and within the body of Christ. And he is telling us that the gifts are to be used in conjunction with love. And he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. One of the things we find about real love is that it is enduring. It is lasting. Love never fails. Love endures. The second thing that we note about true love is love is giving. Love gives to others. I think all of us here this morning know that because we've experienced it. I mean, it's it's nice when you receive a gift but especially when you get the right gift at the right time there is something that is just so amazing of giving a gift to the one you love I'll never forget Lee's reaction to his first guitar 
he started jumping up and down in circles and, and it was amazing. But if we really love God, not only do we want God to give us good gifts, but we want to give good gifts back to God. And you know what God makes God rejoice? What kind of gift makes God rejoice? Is when we bear fruit in our life and when we reproduce. When we told my mom and dad that Elizabeth was going to be born, we didn't know it was going to be a girl yet, but didn't know till she got here. But uh, my mom started jumping up and down, rejoicing. You know what makes God rejoice? It's when we reproduce. When sinners, the Bible says that there is rejoicing in the, amongst the angels of heaven when one comes to repentance. If we want to make God, the, the, the biggest act of worship that we can do is telling other people about Jesus Christ. It's not shouting. There are places and times for that. It's not our singing. It's not our raising of hands. It's winning souls to Jesus Christ. And then, love has to grow. We don't fall into love Love is something that we grow into. And we can honestly say those that have had good marriages over the years can honestly say that you have a greater love down the road than you did when you first married. Oh, it may not always express itself in the same way. But there is a greater and a deeper love the longer you are together. And even so, we must grow in the love of Jesus Christ. And just as I said earlier, sometimes new converts may be more expressive. But they haven't reached that depth of love often. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you Let it be a sweet, sweet
in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O oh my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. We love You, Lord, this morning. Lord, You are our all in all. Lord, it's in You that we live and move and have our being. Lord, no one ever cared for us like Jesus. Lord, thank You for Your love that You have commended to us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Lord, we want to express to You a love from our hearts, a true love. Lord, I pray that we would mature in our love, that we would grow in our love for You, O God, and that we would show our love to You through our worship. Lord, both in our words, but even greater so in our deeds. And that we would have a greater burden. That our hearts would beat as your heart for the lost and dying. Lord, I pray that our homes could be a picture, a clear picture of how You love us and that we in turn love and submit to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.